Hi, and welcome to the Medicine for Life podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lynn Stiff. I'm a dietitian turned physician passionate about empowering people to use their lifestyle as medicine. Many of the chronic diseases and cancers that affect our world can be prevented. I'm on a mission to provide you with evidence-based tools and education so you can implement realistic and sustainable changes into your life to combat disease, reach your health goals, and lead your best life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Let's begin this journey together. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk to you yet again about meal planning. I hope that this has not been beating a dead horse about the concept of meal planning, but it is just so important that we are planning in advance so that we can set our lives up for success. And meal planning is one amazing way to do that. So this week on the blog, I posted about an article I recently read that looks at the quality of someone's diet when they meal plan in advance. Um, It also did talk about body weight status, but I don't, again, as you've probably picked up from my previous messages, I don't know if this is an accurate association because they don't control for other variables. So um, I won't be talking as much about that part. So basically, this study was done in France, and it was part of a larger study on population health that they're doing. And it took over 40,000 participants. So this is like tons of people, you guys. And it broke it down based on if they meal planned or not, and then how their diet quality and variety varied. The study only included people who make some decisions about what they're going to eat. So if somebody has a chef or a cook or someone that works for them that does all that work for them, so there's just a meal that magically appears in front of them, they were not included in the study. After these people were excluded, three quarters were women and one quarter was men. So you can make whatever assumption about that that you want, but largely women tend to meal plan more than men do. Um, And again, this is meal planning for their family unit possibly. And so if the female is doing the meal planning, the male obviously would be excluded then. Of the people who make decisions about what they're eating, someone else doesn't just do it for them, three-fifths were considered meal planners and the other two-fifths were not. So about half and half, but a little more skewed towards doing some component of meal planning. Meal planners were split on their frequency of meal planning. And so it was pretty wide range. About 46% planned several times during the week. So they really only planned a day or two in advance or maybe planned large meals at the beginning of the week, but then continue to plan throughout the week for smaller meals. And almost 39% plan only once a week or less. And so these would be people who do more batch planning, which is something that I advocate for. Most people only plan for a few days in advance, and they often plan for both weekends and weekdays. The most interesting part of this study is that people who meal planned at any amount, they did not eat significantly more or less calories than those who did at meal plan, but they had healthier diets. And so the quality of their diet was higher because it included more protein, more fruit, more vegetables, more meats more added fats. So that's where like olive oil or fats added for cooking can be coming into an account. Uh, Less saturated fat, less starchy foods, and less carbohydrates. And so these people in general ate more of a Mediterranean style diet than those who did not plan in advance. 
The study didn't break down the frequency of meal planning with various dietary patterns. So it's hard to know if there were other subgroups that could maybe tell us people who plan much further in advance have different dietary characteristics or people who plan more closely to when they're eating have different dietary characteristics. The study just looked at meal planners and non-meal planners. People who meal planned didn't feel that trying to think about what to cook was a constraint to eating a balanced diet, um, whereas you could imagine people who don't meal plan did find that to be a constraint. And so it's not clear, do they feel that there's this barrier there that then prevents them from meal planning because it's just too overwhelming to come up with a plan or is not having a plan what the constraint is. The study also looked at physical activity level in meal planners and non-meal planners and it found that people who meal plan were more likely to be physically active than those who do not meal plan. They also found that people who meal planned were more likely to have had an attempt at dieting in the previous year. And I would assume that maybe this is what got them into meal planning because they saw that by planning in advance, they were more likely to stick to the diet plan that they created. As I mentioned at the beginning, this study did look at BMI and how that correlated with meal planners and non-meal planners, and they found that meal planners were more likely to have a BMI in the quote-unquote healthy range, which is 25 or less. And when you look at the different BMI categories, they're also less likely to have a BMI in the overweight or the obese range. So as with every study, we need to be very cautious with how we interpret uh, body size data because somebody's body size and body weight is influenced by numerous factors. And we don't know, are people who have a BMI more in the healthy range, are they more likely to meal plan? Is that a correlation? Or by meal planning, do they tend to have a lower weight? This study is not at all capable of bringing an assumption one way or another. What we can say is that meal planners tend to have lower BMIs, higher diet quality, and more physical activity. And that's all I'm going to say about BMI in relation to this study. If you want to hear more about my thoughts on BMI in research studies, you can listen to last week's podcast where I talk about that some more. And so I wanted to just talk briefly about meal planning since I talked about it in episode three, and I will continue to talk about it throughout this podcast because I think it is so essential for setting ourselves up for success. Again, we don't live in a world where eating a balanced, healthful diet is the number one priority of the people who create the systems in which we live. You know, there are numerous conflicting interests that will promote us to eat less healthy foods, and they also tend to be lower cost, and so people are drawn to them for this reason. So something interesting that I wanted to add in relation to this study is looking at the meal planning frequency. I was actually surprised to see that most of the people did not plan for an entire week at a time. The study very clearly shows that people were planning just a few days in advance, and some people planned much further in advance, but the majority of meal planners were not doing all of their meal planning in one batch. So this shows that you can still be successful at meal planning and improving the quality of your diet by using an approach that works best for you. For some people, doing meal planning on one day a week, so Sunday is kind of a classic day, doing meal planning for an hour and a half on Sunday will allow them to have a complete plan in place and so that as the week begins, they already have everything thought out and Stressful events throughout the week that come up won't influence their ability to stay on track and do what they'd like to do. But for some people, this isn't realistic. Maybe their weekends aren't actually days off. They actually have a lot crammed into those days. Or maybe the idea of planning for an entire week is really daunting and 
that daunting task actually makes them not do it. Um, and so in, for these people, doing bite-sized meal planning seems to work better. Even just planning one day in advance is sufficient. So this would be like if you, at night before you go to bed, you make your lunch for the next day. You've planned in advance what you're eating for lunch. You maybe already know what you'll eat for breakfast. And it'll be as simple as jotting down a recipe that you found that you're going to make for dinner. Now, one caveat to this is if you take this approach, you run the risk of having to take numerous trips to the grocery store. We have all been there where... We have great intentions of eating well, and then we go to make a meal, and then we don't have half the ingredients that we need, or some of the vegetables have gone bad, and so now we have to improvise. For some people who are comfortable in the kitchen, this isn't a big deal, and you just sort of find what you can to make it work, but for the majority of Americans who are less comfortable in the kitchen, this can be a barrier to continuing to stay on track. And so when you plan in advance the way I recommend, which is once a week at least, but preferably once a month, When you plan in advance, you can actually make your grocery list while you're doing your planning, and then you go to the grocery store just one or maybe two times a week, depending on how fresh different uh, produce or products need to be. But when you do it this way, you're able to create a meal plan that optimizes the use of all of the foods that you have. And so if one recipe calls for green peppers and then another recipe that you're debating between um, also has green peppers, you're like, oh, I'll do this recipe because then I can just buy one green pepper to share between both recipes. You're less likely to have waste and you're more likely uh, to save money because you'll be able to just buy what you need at that moment versus buying extra and then not knowing what to do with it. And so one approach I wanted to give you for doing meal planning is to break things down by general food groups. So on a piece of paper, I want you to write G for grain, V for vegetable, P for protein, D for dairy, F for fruit. And then as you go about making your plan for the week ahead, I want you to attempt to fill in each of these food groups at each meal. Now, this won't be perfect, but by doing this, you're consciously thinking, how can I add a vegetable to my lunch? How can I add a fruit to my lunch? Oh, look, I have three grains at breakfast. Maybe I should switch this up a little and only have one grain here and then a different grain another day. And so when you think about it in these bite-sized food groups, and I'm not even talking about measuring out portions, I I think that the calorie counting, macro counting portion size um, approach is just unrealistic for sustainable long-term change. Um, I think it can help you to see sort of what a portion looks like if you do it for a short time. But I don't know anybody who is happily (laughs) counting calories and macros and measuring out or weighing their food for years. People do it for a short time just to get an idea of what they're eating and how many servings, um, but they tend to stop once they get the hang of it because it's really tedious. So if, if you really want to know how many servings you're having of things, by all means, you can try this a little bit. But in this approach, I'm not telling you that you need to go measure out every serving of each thing. This is really meant to be like a big picture, super easy approach. And so just think, is there something at all in my meal that, that meets the food group um, kind of checklist? And that will help you with spacing out different meals as well so that you're having a more balanced variety throughout the week. And this goes along with what the study showed because people who had a variety of foods had a higher nutritional score on the scoring system that they used. 
And so I'm planning to create a little template for this that you can use easily download and just kind of jot down your meal to get an idea. And I'll have it available in my free resource library. So I'll be sure to link that in the show notes. Um, And you can also find it if you just go to my website, nutritionhealthlife.com, and then click on the free resource library. In there, I have tons of free stuff that I've been creating because this is sort of this like creative um, right brain activity that I really enjoy doing because it allows me to, to take this analytical side and mesh it into something that's really beautiful and appealing to look at and use. And so I'm uh, very happy with the materials that I've been making and I love making them. So if there's anything that you think would be helpful, I would be happy to um, create a freebie that will be available in this resource library. And so if you go there, you only have to sign up once and you get a password that gives you access to all of the freebies I ever create. Um, And so in there, I have a couple of meal planning freebies. Uh, There's this all the simple swaps for success. Uh, They have some meal plans within them. And so definitely check that out if meal planning is something of interest to you. So that's really all I have for today. I hope that you found this one uh, short and sweet and easy to digest. And hopefully you found it almost inspiring to think I could just plan a day or two in advance and be more likely to have a higher quality diet. So take a look at the study in the links below if you're nerdy like me and you actually want to read the research study. Otherwise, you can read a summary of what we just talked about over at the blog from this week's blog post. Um, And then stay tuned. I am planning to do a meal planning workshop that I'll have available in the coming months. Um, Sometimes it's a little tricky for me to have a clear uh, date this far in advance, but I've been working on it in the background and I will tell you all about it once I have it, but it will allow you to plan out up to a year year of meals like can you imagine if you spent one day out of 365 and you planned your entire year worth of dinners and meals Um, and then the beauty is you can just keep using it again this has been absolutely life-changing for our family especially because my husband is not as much of a meal planner but he is the one who stays home with our children and has sort of taken over the role of cooking most of the time at least when I'm working outside the home and so this has been amazing because I literally spent one day, created a year's worth of meals, and he has all of that just at his fingertips. And so it's a total like thoughtless process. He literally just opens up the binder that I made, pulls out that week's recipes, and goes from there. It's super simple. And so I have found it to be so transformational for our lives that I wanted to create a workshop to explain how to do it for you all. Um, And I'm also creating uh, an Excel sheet That is basically exactly what I use, um, but much prettier than the one I first made. Um, An Excel sheet that will autofill all this stuff in so that you have all of your recipes in one place. So I'm super excited about this and I'll um, make sure to tell you more about it once it goes live. But in the meantime, I would love to hear your thoughts about how meal planning is going. And if you head over to my um, Facebook page, Nutrition Health Life, and leave some comments there on uh, just on the wall or on the most recent blog post and let me know how meal planning is going, what things are working well, what things aren't. And I would love to address your questions here. I think it would be awesome to do a meal planning Q&A. So I cannot wait to hear from you all. And I hope you have a great week. Be well. And I'll see you next week. Bye.
While I make every effort to broadcast correct information, I am still learning. The views expressed on this podcast are solely my own, based on extensive experience and research. The views of this podcast are not those of any organizations that I am currently or previously affiliated with. If you have any concerns about views or opinions expressed in this podcast, please contact me directly at lynn.stiff at nutritionhealthlife.com. One doctor may have a different way of doing things from another, and I am simply presenting my views on how to use diet and lifestyle approaches to improve your health. By listening to this podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice or to treat any medical conditions that either yourself or others are experiencing. Please consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. Do not ignore or delay obtaining professional medical advice because of information accessed or otherwise obtained from or on behalf of Nutrition Health Life LLC or Lynn Stiff MD.